Come on, y'all. Give God a hand praise. Now, we're going to grow to the point. Well, I ain't got a pump and prime, y'all. Let's do this. So when we're going to grow to the point when I say give God a hand praise. It's going to get us excited. See, what happens is when I come up here and the worship team leave, it's literally your last chance to give God what we really came here for. To give him the highest honor and the glory. And when I, leave, when I come up here and I start to give you the word, the word is for you. The word is to enhance your life. But this is our last chance to give God what's due to him. So when y'all see y'all pastor come up and be like, give God a hand praise, that's like me saying, give God your last 10 seconds of everything you got. That should be on y'all feet. Y'all should be loud. Hey. Hey, all my mothers are alive right now in the house of God today. I got something to be happy about. Hey, I got something to thank God about. Y'all didn't, hey, listen. We got too much, too much to be thanking God for. Some of y'all about to be new mothers. God just been keeping you. The devil didn't do all kind of stuff at you, and he just been keeping you. I, he, the doctor said everything they said, and he just been keeping you. Ah. We got way too much to be thanking God for. So when I come up here and say, let's give God a hair praise, I want y'all to take that as your, take, your chance to give him 15 seconds of just everything in you. Hallelujah. We worship you. We praise you. Father, we surrender to you. We surrender to you. You're worthy. You're worthy. You're worthy. We owe this to you. We owe you our praise. You're gracious. You're a keeper. You're Jehovah Jireh. You're Jehovah Rapha in the middle of the night. When we need peace, you're Jehovah Shalom. You are our banner of victory. The Bible says you're Jehovah Nisi. We've already won. We've already won. Hallelujah. We worship you today. We honor you today. The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. My Redeemer. My Redeemer. That means I was over here and he brought me back into right standing with himself. My Redeemer. Hallelujah. Accept our praise this morning, Father. Accept our worship to you this morning, Father. Father, I want us to go to the point where that's our favorite part of the, or the, the favorite, our favorite part of this whole thing is when the worship team get up here to that point and we just take 35 minutes to just worship him, to just praise him. Do, pick your way you like to do it. Worship him and praise him because he's do that. Imagine he just so happened to forget to have woken us up this morning. Imagine if he was lazy with, your, with keeping your health and, and got lazy and forgot and you got into a car wreck and lost your life. Oh, my oops. What if he oops us? He's worthy of 
all of our worship and our praise. I know we tough guys and we mean and like I don't like to, but when LeBron dunk, we like, ah! we got all the energy for him. I ain't never giving LeBron more than I give the king. I ain't giving Jordan, Durant, pick who your favorite. I ain't giving them nothing. I don't care what Mahomes do. I ran, I, when Mahomes, when we won the Super Bowl, I ran down my street. I ran out the front door of my house down the street yelling. And then down to me when I was walking back like, bro, I'm running, I'm running on Sunday. There's no way Mahomes just won a Super Bowl. I don't get no money from that. All I get to just say is I'm from Kansas City, whoopee. I get to brag on Facebook, that's all I get. And I just ran down the block in a wife beater and some shorts to praise and worship Mahomes, to worship the Chiefs. And then I come in here on Sunday. I'm like, I'm just worshiping together to myself. Nah, I'm going crazy for him. I'm going crazy for him. Nah, if I gotta run, if I can run from, I'm going crazy for him. I know, I know who I used to be. Maybe y'all just had perfect little lives. I was not that person. I'm a sinner on my best day. And I know he been keeping me. See, some of y'all, I, 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 Minister E, when she preached a couple of Sundays ago, she said, I was privileged of knowing him before all of this. See, some of y'all know who I used to be. And seeing me up here every Sunday, like, well, I know there's a God. I was a pure fool. I was a fool. Here, somebody who's ignorant just don't know no better. They just don't know. But when you a fool, you know better, and you just choose better. You a fool if the fire is hot and you say, let me see what it's like, and you burn yourself. That's what foolish, that's foolish. I knew it was hot, and I didn't just touch it. I just dove, dove into sin. Raised better than that. Knew better than that. And chose to go away from God anyway. So to stand here before you today. Uh-huh. My Redeemer. My Redeemer. And he didn't cast me out. He didn't say, I'm done with you. See, that's how we do, people. Three strikes, you're out. That ain't how he do us. He said, nuh-uh, I got you. Come on back. All I need you to do is just say, I'm, just, just come back and repent to me. And I'll take you back. Y'all remember who Saul was? Who Paul was? He was Saul. He was knocking Christians off. Literally off with their head. And then God want to use him? The man wrote 13 books of the New Testament. It's only 27. He wrote half the New Testament, and God used that trash? Yeah, yeah, that's what he likes to do. See, see, one man's trash is God's treasure. See, we may treat each other like trash, but God said, I want that. I take it. Let me, I'm supposed to be doing this. I'm, all, I'm, just, I'm just enjoying the presence of God right now. I'm just enjoying worshiping him. I'm just enjoying, I, 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 I'm just, I, every time that I struggle to give him what's due to him, I just remember who I used to be. And if you just take 10 seconds to think about what you just did last night, that wasn't no good. Half of us ain't got to think too, back, too far back. Just think past this weekend. Half of us got high this weekend. Half of us drunk a little too much this weekend. And we'll stand here and God say, I love you. I don't like what you did, but I love you. And, and there's nothing you can do to separate yourself from my love for you. He said, because if I be for you, who can be against you? You can't even be against yourself. You can't even mess up yourself. 
because he said, if I be for you, you can't mess up your own life. Because whenever you get through, he can still use you. Well, I went to prison. Well, started start a ministry in prison. Well, well Pastor, I, I can use you right where you at. Man, we better stop. Hey, man, I can, I, it, I can prove it to you. I can prove it to you what kind of God he is. His love is, his mercies is new every morning. Like, we wake up to a new set of God every morning. A new set of grace every morning. And half of us get up with an attitude. And grace, and grace is at the end of the bed. Grace at the end of the bed like, good morning. <laughs> I've been keeping the house all night. The gas, it's, a, it's a gas leak. It was a gas leak you don't even know about. It. I've been keeping you. That slobber, that's, that's that piece I gave you. Uh, them single women, I've been, been me holding you all night. You've been comfortable, huh? Yeah, grace, that's me. We, I've been keeping you the whole time. Let me get into this lesson, because right, I can do this all day. I can worship you all day. Like, that's, that's, I can do that all day. We've been through way too much. Half of y'all was in the hospital last week. Half of y'all was in the hospital last week. Yeah. Half of us wouldn't even got, got and we in the house of God. <sighs> all right, y'all, all right. I'm going to leave it alone, but. <sighs> Brando, come here. I need to come, come, unplug this for me. Man, I, happy Mother's Day. Unplug the speakers doing something. Just pour the power out. Happy Mother's Day. Now, Mother's Day, just put the whole power out. The whole Mother's Day is for all you women. Because even if y'all don't have no biological children yet, I'm going to promise all of y'all, even if y'all don't want them, you're going to have some. Some of y'all, I don't want no kids. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. You want some kids. At least you're going to help raise your niece and nephews. Them your kids. Okay, I, was, I, I seen Whitney this morning. Like, hey, auntie, mommy. <laughs> Mama, auntie. But happy Mother's Day to y'all. So good to see you mothers in here. God's blessings over y'all. Like, I often, my, my heart um, sympathizes in ways with the women uh, of God. Sometimes I feel like they're just what, what, you guys, what, what you guys have had to do, mothers, especially, specifically the single ones, which I've had to endure because we men did not step up. The design biblically was for us to raise the children. Y'all was supposed to help us. And I, I, I felt this morning I just wanted to apologize because us as men, we have not properly been there as fathers and husbands. So y'all have had to carry things y'all did not have to carry. Y'all shouldn't have had to carry. Y'all had to waste, like, all your weekends went to the kids while we got to run around and act the fool. Y'all had to go put them in the bed and get the clothes ready and get their lunch ready and then take them to school and put them on the bus, get them off the bus, forgot the school clothes, forgot the joints and all this and get the school clothes. And, and we kind of sat around and relaxed on our couch with the remote, or most of us just weren't even at home at all. And I wanted to just take some time to, to, to honor y'all today because if it wasn't for y'all, 
And, and for some of us who had our, our mothers and our fathers, um, if we be honest, if it wasn't for a praying mama, I, I used to ride around in my little drop top, GT, Mustang, spinners, the whole thing. I used to think I was hot. I kind of was. <laughs> I it was hot. I'd throw the Lambo door up, jump out with the top down, like. Oh, it's weird, y'all. I'm going to literally raise the door up in the air and then drive down the street looking at you like. <laughs> but I can't tell you how many times it's been two or three in the morning and I knew somebody was praying. There's no way I should have made it home. And I used to think I was so tough. Yeah, I used to think I was so tough because I had my, my, my chop on the side of the, 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 or the seat and I'm like, if anybody approached me, it's like that. Ain't how many times I probably was just cruising Listen to my Sammy, I like the R&B. Listen to my Mario, and somebody looked over at me and said, I should take his head off and take his car. And how many times I was like, I know somebody been praying. I know my mama, somebody, somebody was praying. Because there's no way I should have made it out half the situations I made it out of. And I was, I was taught crazy. I grew up with both parents. Now, I wasn't soft, but it wasn't no thug in me. But I wanted to, I wanted to, I, I was willing to prove that it was some thug in me. I wasn't even raised to need to be that way. But I was ready to shoot just because, just to prove that, it, just to prove something. And I know it was some nights, it is no way. I, with, the, with the arrogance and the pride I had, I mean, the way I would talk to people, I should have made it home. I know it was for the grace of God and a praying mama. And some praying grandmas and some praying aunties. I'll encourage y'all, don't stop praying for your babies. They may not be where you want them to be. Oh, but I think it's a sweet aroma to heaven when a mama gets a praying. Praying for your babies. I don't care if they're 69. To continue to be on the altar. I think it's a, a sweet fragrance when God sees when y'all what y'all do. And he sees it and he honors it. Keep going, mamas. Without child, we wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be able to do it. Amen. Amen. Well, y'all, I got a confession. It's Mother's Day, and I'm not teaching no traditional mother's lesson. So I was going to change this lesson because, well, you can't preach that on Mother's Day. You're going to be some visitors and different stuff around. Preach a cooler, better version. And I'm like, my wife, I, I know how I am. It's very hard for me to be churchy. So when I'm praying, I'm asking God, what do you want me to say this week? I'll be having a back, I got a backlog of lessons. And I'll go through like, Lord, what do you want for me? What do people need? What do you want this week? And then Penny did it. Pastor Penny said this. And then it dawned to me about Wednesday. It is Mother's Day this week. You can't talk about money. That ain't a Mother's Day lesson. And then I started praying like, I'm going to switch it to this. And I just be like, don't you touch that. You get people what I tell you to give you. So, y'all, I'm sorry today, but I'm all up in y'all stuff. I told y'all for the last couple of weeks of this new series, it's going to be tough. But I bet you we're going to come out different. So, we've been in this series called, uh-oh, y'all hear it called? And today's week 18 topic is all about the Benjamins. See, we've been for 18 weeks, we've been drilling, growing on every area of our lives because we know where God is transitioning us to and God told me at the beginning of this year this is the year of growth as y'all commit to me 
in growing, I'm going to have supernatural growth happen around you. But I want, I need the people to mature and continue to grow to see what sanctified living is, what holy living is. So our root scripture for this is John chapter 15, abiding in God and God abiding in you, abiding in his word, his word abiding in you. And we can get to the point to whatever we declare and decree, he would do it. And then our second root verse, he said, you ought to be teachers now in Hebrews, our second verse. He's, it's up there for you. We ought to be teachers by now. He said, but you're still babies. And I think I need to read it. There is much more we would like to say about this, but it's difficult to explain, especially since you are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. And then I'm going to teach this lesson today, and because so many of us are spiritually dull and don't like to listen, we're going to leave here and God said, I have so many blessings lined up in your obedience after this. And a lot of us are going to leave it right at the altar because we're spiritually dull, dull and we don't want to listen. He says, verse 12, you have been believers so long. We've been sitting in the church for 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 years. He says, now that you ought to be teaching others. He said, you should be now being a teacher. You've been sitting in the pew long enough, and you barely know who I am. Watch, I'm not making this up. You are like babies. He said, no, no. He says, instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. He says, you are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know what he's do, don't know, uh, don't know how to do what, what is right. He said, y'all still babies, and babies don't know what's right or wrong. They just doing stuff. And he's saying the writer of Hebrews, he's saying, we just in the church just doing stuff. You still need the preacher to teach you about the cross and the love of God and how you sealed by grace for the free free. There's somebody with me. Damn. He said, you still need somebody to, to teach you the basic things about who you are in Christ and more so who I am in you. It's gone. That was magic. Thank you. For someone who lives on milk to the infant doesn't know how to do what's right. Solid food is for those who are mature. He says, I can't give you good stuff. See, we about to give you solid food today. And some mature people are like, ooh, that's me. Let me straighten up. But baby's going to be like, uh-uh. We don't want that. He says, who through training had the skill to recognize the difference between what's right and wrong. It's a training process. You don't just come in and be saved and just know what to, how to live for Christ. You got to commit yourself to, to the midweek service. And listen, Sunday, God is enough. Sunday is not. God is more than enough. But if you come to church just on Sunday, you will be a malnutrition, baby milk drinking Christian. You need a daily, you need, don't you eat every day? Why? Because you be hungry. Your spirit should be hungry, so it needs to be fed daily. And what I used to teach my sons growing up, I used to try to train them, just give God two minutes a day. Give them two minutes and two scriptures a day. I said, if you do that, it'll be like, if you, I said, skip the weekends. I said, just 10, that's 10 minutes a week, that's 10 verses a week. And I start showing them that if they just give God a little bit of time, uh, some of their first fruit, that through time they will mature. And I thought after a while that two scriptures would become like 10, and that 10 would become a book and what we need to do is grow up so we're going to talk about money today do y'all know that today i'm getting over my fear of teaching about money i keep telling y'all to grow up and grow but it's time for me to grow i hate this topic because every time you talk about money the same thing happens it's the same thing. Hey, yeah, church just want my money, and it's my money, and I ain't got that much. People, it's something about the money thing. Like, I, I, I understand it, so I used to avoid it because one thing, I, we, I don't want your money. That's why, that's one reason why we don't pass collection plates. 
for one, I couldn't find it in the Bible. Like, when did we start this? And it's not that nothing's wrong with collection plates. It's just somebody created an easier way to serve people. But I'm like, I want to go back to the, the Acts church, the biblical church. So I just put some, I did find pastor where it was giving buckets. So I just, I throw some giving buckets in the back. And actually, if I teach you the principle, you should be looking for the bucket. Like, where can I honor God? We're going to learn it today. But, but, but I'm going to get over this fear today. I cannot preach to y'all what's comfortable for you. And I also can't preach what's comfortable to me. See, I'll tell y'all, I got to preach against sin. See, I'm a real pastor. I preach against sin. Well, no, you won't preach about the other stuff that you don't like talking about. And money is one of the ones I just hate talking about it. But I told myself, I'm done with that. The team wanted to ask every member in here to give the pastor for the anniversary. We asked for everybody to give the pastors $50. And I, I literally stopped them in their tracks. Like, I don't really want to. So fearful of y'all response to supporting your pastors. So fearful of what y'all would think, like, we're doing a capital campaign for our building, and y'all want us to get 50 to them. Ugh, I knew that was about money. I, just, I was so scared of it that I'm like, just, let's just tell them to just gift us. Bring a, bring a pack of Kool-Aid. I'm fine with that. Like, just anything to avoid the, 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 the image of us wanting your money. Y'all know... Faith and prayer is talked about a little over 500 times in the Bible. Giving is talked about over 2,300. It's the most talked about subject in the Bible. Giving and possessions. And if you can't, there's no way the Bible talks about it that much and I don't talk about it that much. I preach to y'all on prayer and faith every day, but, but the, 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 the discussion and teaching about money and possessions is talked about over four times more. So I thought today, God, I'm sorry. I had to repent. My pride had gotten away, and I wasn't, see, if I won't try to be blessed, I have to teach you the principles of the Bible. If I want your money to go up, if I want to be getting reports of new jobs and upgrades and careers, I got to give you the principles of the Bible. And 15%, roughly 15% of what Jesus taught in the New Testament was about possessions and money. Even 15% of what he did was about, was about possessions and money. And really, let's keep this simple. The concept is he wants to be first. Don't y'all want to be first? Sure. I ain't never seen y'all jump in the back of the line. On Wednesday nights when we do Bible study, we eat, we be eating good too. Pastor Jordan, the first one, he sit way over here. The food be well over there. He end up first person in the line every week. Y'all ain't never went to the back like, I'm going to just go to the back of the line. I like to be in the back. I don't need to be in the front of the concert. I'm going to let y'all get to the seats. I'm just getting way in the back. Y'all don't want to be in the back. It's a reason why for that too. The Bible says you were made in the likeness and the image of God. And see, he wants to be first. So if you, so you have a desire in you, I want to be in the, in the front of the line. I want to be the head, not the tail. That's about purpose inside of you. You want to be first. So you think God, what do you think God feels when we don't make him first? See, I decided we're going to debunk this thing today. And I want to start off looking at the very first thing, the very first premise that I see people put out of time. So I want to attack this thing. Yes, pastors should get paid. I see this all the time. Well, why do they need to get paid? Don't you pay your counselor? Don't you pay your therapist? Do you pay your teacher? Do you pay your doctor? I still get random bills in the mail like you owe me 167. Like, I ain't been a doctor in two years. Like, dang. How can I go in and literally you look at me and say, doing good. How tall are you? Feel okay, y'all feel okay. $200. I ain't even did nothing. Like, hold on, I ain't going, but I'm going to just go in the mirror myself, look at myself and check myself. Like, cause you ain't did nothing to me. I could off of Amazon order me a heartbeat and check. Like, bro, like, I, we pay them. 
but then we'll look at the person who's supposed to be over our souls, who's the teacher of our souls, who's the doctor over your soul, who your therapist and counselor, because Lord knows y'all love calling me for therapy and counseling. Like, and y'all be like, well, I don't think that we should be. Well, let's look what the word of God say. Can you give me 1 Corinthians chapter 9? Let's, let's handle this biblically. Because it, I want to start off here. Because we, unless we debunk the, 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 the nonsense, we can never really see our, what we're supposed to be doing. So let's, let's look at this. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Let's look at what Paul told Corinth. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7 through 14. Give it to me if you don't mind. What soldier has to pay his own expenses? What soldier pays his own expenses? Who goes to the military and say, okay, I need boots, an AK-47, some bombs. Okay, how much? Okay, I'll be back. Let me go get the money. Keep going. What farmer plants a vineyard and doesn't have the right to eat some of its fruit? Mm -hmm. What shepherd cares for a flock of sheep and isn't allowed to drink some of the milk? Mm. Am I expressly, expressing merely a human opinion or does the law say the same thing? For the law of Moses says you must not muzzle an ox to keep it from eating as it treads when out the ox grain. It's treading and pulling the plow. You don't Starve it to death. If an ox is working, pulling the plow, you don't cover his mouth and don't feed it. He's using the analogy of, of the, what, the, 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 the animals that they use to serve them. He said, you don't cover an ox while I traded the grain. Why would you do that? If anything, you give it extra food so it can continue to work hard for you. Go. Was God thinking only about oxen when he said this? No. Wasn't he actually speaking to us? Yes. Yes, it was written for us so that the one who plows and the one who threshes the grain might both expect a share of the harvest. Mm -hmm. Since we have planted spiritual seed among you, aren't we entitled? Entitled? Okay, go. To a harvest of physical food and drink? Since we are helping take care of your soul, shouldn't we at least get taken care of? Paul telling Corinth, go. If you support others who preach to you, shouldn't we have an even greater right to be supported? He said, the guest pastors come in, y'all throw all y'all money at the altar. But he we said, don't we go. But we have never used this right. Mm. We would rather put up with anything than be an obstacle, obstacle to the good news, to the good news mm -hmm. about Christ. Don't you realize that those who work in the temple get their meals from the offerings brought to the temple? Mm -hmm. And those who serve at the altar get a share of the sacrificial offerings? Mm -hmm. In the same way, the Lord ordereth that those who preach the good news should be supported by those who benefit. He ordered it. He ordered it. And I understand the issue is really not with, the issue is really not with taking care of the pastor. I think many people don't mind that. They understand what, what he has to endure. I think the issue is with the mismanagement y'all have witnessed over the years. It's too many pastors y'all seen doing too many funny looking stuff with the money, jets, and all this kind of stuff. And y'all like, nah. So I had to understand something. The issue is not with taking care of the leader. It's that people have witnessed mismanagement of church money. So I said, before I start this money talk, let me set in order the order for the house. Let me set the standard that I have for myself. Give me, give me, give me Timothy, First Timothy. Let me set the, as the, I have a board in this house. Oh boy, half the board is pretty tough. And anything that I need to do or I want to do, I have to clear it with the board. Money, how money works in the church is supposed to be accountability. We're not supposed to just go buy a jet and a Bentley 
on the church card and it just be whatever. That, and, I, and I'm sorry because a lot of people have witnessed that and I get it over the years. You've seen some stuff that looks really, really finicky to all of us. It's kind of, you can't deny some of the things we've witnessed. But at the same time, let me show y'all what the word of God say for us. Go on for a chapter 6. Give me 3 two, 10. Some people make contradict our teaching. Mm -hmm. These are the wholesome teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ. Right. These teachings promote a godly life. This teaching will promote a godly life. Go. Anyone who teaches something different is arrogant and lacks understanding. Mm -hmm. Such a person has an unhealthy desire to quibble over the meaning of words. This stirs up arguments ending in jealousy, division, slander, and evil suspicions. Pause. This is why I hate the Facebook stuff. I mean, the YouTube preachers going back and forth. Like, I, I'm so sometimes disgusted with this because he's telling you here, listen to what he says. Such person has unhealthy desire to quibble over the meaning of the words. It stirs up arguments ending in jealousy, division, division slander, and evil suspicions. When it's to the point where it says anyone who teaches something different, instead of us loving each other and being tied and binding together in love, as he says, he tells Colossae and he tells Ephesus, we take time picking at each other's lessons. When he said this, when you see his Easter play, and all this is doing is stirs up arguments, doing what? That ends in jealousy, the one I hate the most, division, and slander and evil suspicions. That's why we got to be careful who we sit up late at night on YouTube and watch. I got to the point where I don't follow anybody anymore. Because the whole point is you can't watch what comes in your eye gates. Watch what you let into your ears. It will become your heart and from the, heart, the, the, from the issues of the heart your mouth will speak. You have to watch what you let put in you. He says, he says, watch what people, he's talking, to the, he's talking to the church here, but he's specifically hitting on the leaders. Watch people who false teach. And we always say false teachers are the ones who... Um, they missed that one of their prophecy didn't happen right. Well, he's talking about who people who mess up the gospel. That God so loved you that he gave his only God so whoever believes in him should not perish. Don't add nothing else to that. People who change that and shift it a little bit to get your attention and get your money. Go ahead, go finish that for me. Verse 5. These people always cause always. trouble. Their minds are corrupt and they have turned their backs on the truth. Mm -hmm. To them, a show of godliness is just a way to become wealthy. It's a way to become wealthy. And I, too many times we're seeing people use the pulpit as just a, as a career. It's just a way to, to solidify your, 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 your income and retire at the age of 76, old, and ain't done nothing for the last 20 years. And you sit there and you're like, well, I, I did my life. It's a career path. He says these people have a show of godliness, but it's just a way to become wealthy. And wealthy is not talking about driving in Bentleys. It's literally talking about you, it's a sustaining of income. He says, watch this. Keep going. Yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. Itself. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into mm. the world, and we can't take anything with us when we leave it. Mm. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be, be content. content. But people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish mm. and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Wow. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. I'm not off the hook. We always throw that scripture out for the love of money is the root of all evil. Now you see in what context. He's literally talking to and targeting the church and the church leaders. He's talking about taking the gospel and shifting it in order to become wealthy. 
And he says, for the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil. He says, because you love money so much, you've allowed yourself to bring that, that heart and that posture into the church and, and make the church wicked. Remember when Jesus, a couple times we see him go off, he's throwing everybody at the temple to do what? He said, you turned my house into what? A den of thieves. He said, there was nothing wrong with commerce and making money. You just start get, just get take, taking it from people and robbing people. A dove should cost 10 cents. Why are you charging $100 for it? He said, you robbing people hand over foot for, uh, hand over, uh, foot for money. He said, that the issue is, he said, you, this is what I said. He says, pierce themselves with many sorrows of manipulating people for money. He said, it's a self, you are self-destruction. He says, you, you're piercing yourself. And people don't understand. When you, people that love money so much, they go to get a million. After they get a million, they go to be a billion. It never stops. See, when you love money and that's your idol, and that's what you care enough about, it, it's never enough. You get a new house, new car, I'm going to get a better car. You get another car, I want a bigger house. I need, a more, I need more promotions and more promotions and more promotions. And then you find yourself, you're not at home with your family that much. And then you find yourself doing all kind of stuff. He said, it's the, for the love of money, he said, pierce themselves with all kind of sorrows. I am not off the hook. If I mismanage this house and it's money, it will be consequences. The end. That's how it goes. And God is not playing with that. Anytime somebody takes the gospel message, and manipulates or use it for self-gain if he got a major problem with that. So I got a question for you, Dave. So I dealt with me. God ain't not playing with me. Honestly, I don't even have it. I, I'm a little too, I fear God way too much. And I don't care how many, whatever you can pump out the church or steal from a church. Do you know you have to deal with God when you're done? And I cannot stand before heaven like, and he say, yeah, um, yeah, I seen all of that. I just fear God too much for that. So when it comes to the money, that's why y'all know I'm quick to put y'all bank account up on there and show y'all what we got. I feel like if y'all want to know, y'all give us y'all money, y'all should be able to see what's happening with it. I'm very transparent about that because I feel like I, this, if, if, I'm a, if, if my wife or my children want to know how much money we got in the bank account, I show them. That's my family. So I don't believe it should be any different in the church. If y'all want to know what we're doing, how we're doing it, where it's going at, every cent that's getting made and what we do with it, I'm going to show you. I'm going to bring it up on my phone like, hey, want to see, okay. I, I honestly feel that, that clear about it. So I, I got the standard that I have for myself now. So let's see the standard for y'all. My question for this week. Are you a spectator or a member? A spectator is a person who looks on or watches. Onlooker, observer, a person who watches an activity, especially a public event without taking part but they sometimes cheer. A member, a part of a whole, one of the individual or units of group of organizations, especially individuals who have joined and participate in the group or organization. Are you a spectator or a member? And every week I ask a question, I want us to leave here and have something to sit on our mind so we're having a process of growth every week. Are you a spectator or a member? I need some help here. <clears throat> Pastor Ant, Bentley, Brando, come here. Jordan, Claire, grab that for me. Grab this camera for me. I need some help. Oh, you're about to hate me. Y'all about to hate me. These are the members of the church. 
Jordan, y'all, y'all didn't see what he went through last week. He's like, oh, my Lord, I got to come back up here. These are the members of the church. I want Bentley, scoot down a couple steps, just a little bit right there. And y'all two stick together. I didn't say Anthony's move. I said, Bentley, you come closer. These are, these are the members. These are the spectators. The church actually is a load. I think sometimes we come in in church and we see, like, everything. And when y'all go into the new building, I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is so nice. And y'all don't realize actually somebody actually had to do that. It was actually a, a, a goal. It was something that had to happen there. Um, so what I need y'all to do, come on, put your arms out. Y'all don't carry me. I'm the Lord of the church. Bend your knees, come on. And what I need, you to, what I need y'all to do is cheer them on. Uh-uh, loop out back over there. I need y'all to cheer them on. Y'all my spectators. Y'all ready for this? Uh, I better hold me. I'm all 250. Now, cheer him on. Cheer him on. Hold on. You got me? So, y'all cheer him on? Is it heavy? So, I'm going to just preach like this. Yeah, it's, 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 it's hard. Because we're supposed to be an entire body operating together. Are you a spectator or a member? All right, let me down. <laughs> hey, he was about to get me back for last week. He's like, that's my time to get him back. Let me ask y'all a question. Would y'all rather them cheer you on or help you? Okay, let's try this again. Y'all, okay. Y'all got this? Okay, all four of y'all. Y'all ready? Okay, hold on. Y'all ready? Come on. Look at this. It's a lot easier, huh? See how much easier? First he was sweating and struggling. Or see how much easier that is when you have a hundred percent members. There you go. Turn it to the camera. There we go. They can move me now. They can move and shift now because they have all the people are actually helping. Versus people standing there. You go. We're gonna pray for you. We're trusting God. But when you get paid, yeah, I ain't got that. Thank you. Thank you, legs first. I appreciate y'all. y'all. Does it make sense? Are you a member or a spectator? Y'all know statistically 6% of the church are tithers? Statistically, 6% of the church is doing 90% of the work. Everybody has an excuse why they can't do something, why they can't Tom talent treasure. Let's go look at the word of God. Point one, we're going to look at three types of giving the Bible talks about. Point one, the tithe, the first fruit. What is a tithe? A tithe is 10% of the entire increase. Most of us think we're tithing, and we've done this for years. If your check is $1,000, Uncle Sam takes two fifty. What does that leave you with? Y'all, really? Now, all you college people and stuff in here, 750. That's kind of tight, that's the movie. 750. 15, 30, 37, 38, 45, 47. Dun, 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 dun. Y'all are trifling. If your check is 1000 and Uncle Sam took his 250 what did I leave with? 750 What's your tithe? $100. Not $75. 
Most of us give of what Uncle Sam take, and we're really not giving 10%. We're giving like 7 6%. We're giving God the leftovers. We, we let Uncle Sam take his first, and we give God what Uncle Sam was left after Uncle Sam took his 20%. Man, I used to get my checks, y'all. He used to take 27%. I'm like, bro, I, screw tax brackets. People are, I'm in another tax bracket. You can keep your tax bracket. It was 19 to 27. I'm like, okay, six figures ain't that great no more. Like, are y'all going to just take the extra? A tithe is 10% of the first fruit. Tight one, tithing, see principle. Give me a Le- Leviticus chapter 27. I'm going to go through these quick. Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30. One-tenth of the produce of the land, whether grain from the fields or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is not yours. It don't belong to you. It's literally not yours. God said, you should understand that I'm the reason why you got legs on your body. I'm the reason why you can get up and breathe. So the first fruit, that first tenth, belongs to me. Watch this. He says, and must be set apart as holy. It should be a sanctified. You should already know that hundred is gone. You should be budgeting it off of 650. God got his 10. Uncle Sam took his 10, 19, 20, and I'm left with 650. And most of us are looking at that thought like, no, I don't know, no, 750. Nope, I already. See, y'all don't have an option to give Uncle, Uncle Sam his. See, God could have did the same thing, but he actually wants you to choose him. I'm going I'm, I'm I'm to stay in this book. I'm stay. Verse 31, if you, want, if you want to buy back the Lord's tenth of grain or fruit, you must pay his value plus 20%. Some of y'all really need to go, oh, go back and double up everything. You old guy from way back. He said, if you want to buy it back, it's 20% plus that. That's 30. And some of us, oh, never mind. Verse 32, count off every tenth animal from your herds, every flocks, and set them apart for the Lord as as holy. You may not pick and choose between good and bad animals. You may not pick and choose between good and bad animals. Don't give me the broke lamb that came out with one eye. Say, Lord, that's my tenth, the man, the one I don't want anyway. I, I got a pet peeve. We always have, like, closed jobs and stuff. People come bring the stuff that they don't want that's ripped up and stained. that has got the stain in the back. The stuff that you, no, give, give the Gucci shirt. The one that you plan on wearing Friday, get that one. Don't bring a bag of your trash. He said, don't, don't try to give me and offer me the stuff that you don't want. I can see your heart. He says, he says, uh, 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 he says, and you may not substitute one for another, but if you do exchange one animal for another, then the both, then both the animal and animal and its substitute would be considered holy and cannot be bought back. If it's an increase, God supposed to get some. Genesis chapter fourteen, verse eighteen. And Melchizedek, the king of Salem, he was a king, and the priest of God, and the priest of God, the Most High, he was king and priest. I love it. It was like having the president of the United States be your pastor. Melchizedek was both king and priest. What if the president of the United States was a true man of God? Do y'all imagine what this country would rock like when the president is on Twitter posting in church this Sunday? It was good. The pastor talked about this and that I preached on this. That would be so cold. He, he was both king and priest. So watch what happened when he served. He wasn't just king. He was priest. So what happened? It brought uh, uh, Moha. Uh, brought Abraham some bread and wine. Melchizedek blessed Abraham with the blessing. Blessed by Abraham, be, uh, uh, blessed be Abraham by the Most High, 
by God the Most High, creator of heaven and earth, and blessed God Most High, who had defeated your enemies for you. Then, Ab- then Abram gave Melchizedek a tenth of all the goods he had recovered. He gave Melchizedek because he was priest. Melchizedek was able to be a, to bless him. See, we are, we, that's the only time anybody has came to be with there was both king and priest. David wasn't priest. He was just king. He would call the priest in to get advice. Only person that's ever came in the order of Melchizedek, both king and priest, was Jesus. He was king of the Jews, and he was priest. He gave him a tenth of all he had, so Abraham came and blessed the man of God. Let's keep going. Well, some of y'all may say, well, well, you know, pastor, the tithe is a Levitical priesthood from the Old Testament. The Levitical priesthood ain't no more. The veil was ripped. Okay, I'm glad you, thank you for getting me there. Acts chapter 2, verse 43. A deep sense of awe came over them all. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. Oh my gosh, we would do that today. If all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had, it was so much unity among them. He says, watch this. They sold their possessions, their property, it was their stuff, and possessions and shared the money with those in need. He says, they worshiped together at the temple each day, met at homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great, not a little bit, great joy and what? Generosity. The Old Testament teaches the law of giving. You better do this. But the New Testament says generosity. See principle. Watch this, watch this. Verse 47, all while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of the people, and each day the Lord added their, to their fellowship those who were being saved. Watch this, Acts chapter, 40, uh, ch- Acts, uh, chapter 4, verse 32. All the believers were united in heart and mind. There's something about this unity thing. When the people were coming together in unity. He says they were united in heart and mind. When we, when we are truly a united church, generosity is easy. When we're truly united in heart and mind, being generous is easy. You want to know why? Because you would consider that person an extension of yourself. What happens in the body of Christ? Well, why would I help them? They ain't got nothing to do with me. They, they don't make or break me. So you, you don't consider them that we are the bride of Christ. Every church, God is not a polygamist. He doesn't have 600,000 girlfriend churches. He got one bride, one body, one order, one system. And he called us to work in complete unity. Thank you. Help me out here. He called us to work in complete unity. Here, just take this off. Let me help you. Take it off. Yeah. We're supposed to be helping. There. One, two, three. They see us. He called us to work in complete unity. Dude, that's me making it hard. Like he called us to be in oneness and complete unity. And because we don't consider ourselves the body, well, our church is bigger and better, so who cares about them? Our church, who cares about? Because we don't consider ourselves the bride of Christ. Paul was so clear on this in Corinth. He was so clear on this. His whole chapter to talk about unity. I love it because he talks about the body of Christ. He said, "What well, if the hand say to the foot, I don't need you? Imagine if your if your if your if your ears got jealous of your ankles. Like why are you always walking with them and using them? We don't need them. Get out of here, ankles. Imagine yourself trying to walk with no ankles." The ideal is even if the pieces don't look alike, they're supposed to be different. Called five-fold ministry, some preachers, some teachers, it's not supposed to look the same. We're called to be in unity, though. We're supposed to understand that we are extensions of each other. We are connected to each other. 
So it should be no reason if you see one church in need that the other church say, here, we got plenty. That's biblical. Let me finish this. Watch this. Verse 33, they, they, the apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Watch this. Don't miss this. They testified powerfully of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, the gospel. And God's great blessing was upon, was upon them all. It is something when you teach this gospel thing. There were no needy people among them. Watch why. Because those who own their land and houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need. For instance, there was Joseph, the one apostle nicknamed Barnabas, which, which means son of encouragement. He was from the tribe of Levi and came from the island of Cyprus. Watch this. The Levitical priesthood in the Old Testament was who the tithe was supposed to be given to. In the, in the New Testament, it's a Levi selling his stuff and bringing it to the apostles. People might say, what's the old Levitical priesthood and the Levites are no more? Well, good, I'm glad you said that. The tithe is base model, Christian. 10% is base model. I say, let's just use that as a good a rule of thumb. But in all actuality, with the Bible, they were selling everything they had that was extra. I don't need two, three cars. I need one. Let me sell these two, take the money and help somebody else. Let me get this car away to somebody else that need one. Let me go help this single mother. Let me go help them. Uh, we got multiple properties in multiple. Let me go help them. That's what they did. See, the New Testament actually don't teach the time. It teaches extreme, extravagant generosity. And when we actually operate in that, it says nobody had a need. Nobody in the body of Christ was thirsting for nothing because the people who had plenty just gave extra. What we do now, our churches are businesses. So we just stack up as much stuff as we possibly can. And instead of just helping somebody else, we just start two or three, four or five more campuses. I'm not saying there's nothing really wrong with that, but it's something in my spirit that just don't sit right sometimes. Like, if you look at the church of Acts, they didn't do that. They brought the money so everybody had plenty enough. It should be no believers in the body of Christ that have a need. It should be no members in the church that is going through something. We don't, it's something that, because somebody in the house got it. It's somewhere in the body of Christ. There's people in here that now have gotten jobs because somebody else was a manager. Everything we need is right in the body of Christ. Everything we need is right in the house of God if we will, will, will only uh, consider ourselves members of one. It would be easy for us to give it away. He says, verse 37, he sold a field he owned and brought the money back to the apostles. So, pastor, it's an old Levitical priesthood. I'm glad you said that. You should be giving away more than 10. You should be giving as much as you possibly can because you understand something. It's not about you. It's about your brothers and sisters, the body. And culture now tells us to stack away and plan away. And I fell into that. That's why I got all these degrees. I fell into that, just want chasing more money. And I was good at it. I was making really good money. I was very good at it. And then it dawned on me, okay, now that I have everything I want, I got a big house, I got a Corvette in the third car garage, I got everything. Now what? And you realize it's a, it's a never-ending chase. And then, but it, give, me, give me Malachi chapter 6. Let me show you this. Malachi chapter 6, and message, I'm, I'm going to go message version on this. Y'all heard this before, I'm going message. Verse 6, I am God. Yes, I am. I haven't changed. I love that. Hear the same today, yesterday, and forevermore. He said, I ain't changed. He says, and because I haven't changed, the descendants of Jacob, you, your descendants, haven't been destroyed. Watch this. He said, I ain't changed. I'm a promise keeper. And because I'm a promise keeper that don't change, I made, I made a promise to Jacob, your, 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 your forefather. It's the reason why I ain't destroyed y'all yet. Because I'm a promise keeper, y'all haven't been destroyed. 
Watch this. He's going to say, why? You have a long history of ignoring my commands. You haven't done a thing I've told you. Return to me so I can return to you, says, the, uh, the, says God of the angel armies. He said, y'all are some disobedient knuckleheads. Be glad I made your granddaddy a promise. That's the only reason why you're not destroyed. Be glad. He said, y'all got a history of just not doing what I tell you to do. Now watch, this is what we do right here. You ask, but how, how, how do we return? I love it in, 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 the, in, the other, in, in the other version. It says, but how do we return? We never going away. I know when you catch your kid doing something and they first respond, I ain't done nothing. What I do? What I do? Why you just wanted to punch them? Like, you know what you did. Watch what happens here. Verse, verse 8 says, begin with being honest. Let's start with just keeping it a buck. KLT version, that's what he's saying here. Just keep it a hundred. He says, do honest people rob God? But you rob me day after day. You ask, how have we robbed you? Here, we're just playing dumb again. What do we do? We ain't did nothing. You ask, how have we robbed you? The tithe and the offering, that's how. And now you're under a curse, the whole lot of you, because you're robbing me, and most of us don't even know. It's a reason why we don't, it's a reason why. We keep, we like, I just had a fact check all that overtime. How, where'd it go? And it's a hole in your pocket. As much as you try to stuff in, it's just going right out. And if you take some sand and you crush sand in your hand, what happens? It just go out of it. It just come out, it's going to come out every way. And nothing can get in. And some of us don't even understand that we're robbing God. He says, so it's a curse on you because you in disobedience from me, it's a curse. He says, he says, watch this. He says, we bring your full tithe to the temple treasury so there will be ample provisions for my temple. Not a little bit, it should be ample. The church should never struggle. Why, why would it? It's plenty of people in the church. And if everybody actually was a member and not a spectator, what we just looked at, it would be easy. It went from them struggling, Anthony, to like, oh, that's cool, let's turn him here. Let's turn him here. If everybody did their part, you remember Nehemiah? They built the wall in numbers. They, did, they built the wall in 50-something days because everybody took a section. Everybody did their part. When everybody just do a little bit, it makes it easy for everybody. Watch this, watch this. He says, bring all your tithes into the storehouse. He says, he's watch this. He says, I love this. He said, ample provision for my temple, for my temple. Put me first. Make my house right first. And he says, test me in this. We don't ever see in the Bible, but this time when he say, try me. KLT version, pull my card. See if I ain't who I told you I am. This is the only time when he gives you permission to test and you can look at him like, I'm tithing for the next 60 days. Let's see what's up. This is the only time he gives you permission. Test me. He says, test me in this and then see if I don't open, uh, open heaven itself and pour out blessing beyond your wildest dreams. That's in the Bible. He, watch, I'm going to break this down to you. He says, for my part, I will defend you against martyrs, protect your fields and vegetable gardens against plunders. The message of God, the message of God, of the angel armies. He said, test me in this. He said, if I don't open the windows of heaven and pour out blessings, you don't even have room to receive. He said, but I won't stop there. That's just, he said, I'll make sure I'll rebuke the devourer. The stuff that's eating your money all the time and causing issues. He said, I'll rebuke it so you can keep your money in your pocket. Let me break that down to you. If you give me the tithe, you bless me in the first fruit, I'll bless the 90. That 90 will be feeling like 120. But it's because you honor me first with the first fruit. Now you enable me to act a fool in your life. You enable me to be blocking stuff and setting up deals and setting up stuff. And the car that you wanted, you just don't happen to come right when they were doing a sale. And that, 
He said, now I can do stuff in your life. He said, but you won't obey me. So it's a curse. He he says, watch this. I love this verse 12. He said, you'll be voted happiest nation. You'll experience what it's like to be counted a a country of grace. He says, he says, everybody going to look at you like, why she so fly? And that's her new beans. Like, she's so fly. He said, everybody will look at you and call you blessed because you honor me. And now that you honor me, now I'm all in your life, all up in your money, all up in your business, because now my name is on the line. Now my word is on the line because you honor my word, so now I have to show up. Watch this, watch this. I need, I need, a, bring, my, come, bring me that, Nisha. Anybody in here, who, ha, who haven't ate breakfast? Come on. No, put your hand down. You I need some, come on, y'all, I need some people. Who, 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 anybody home? Come on, Bino. Come on, anybody want to mind? You probably don't want to come up here. <laughs> just, just boy, come on, E. Come on, Bino. I need, come on, I need a few more. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Who, y'all, y'all probably don't, who, if, you, if you don't mind pork, come on up. Give me a few more. I, I need a, come on, y'all. Let me start coming. Come on, Jeremy. Come on, Reese. Come on, come on. Come on, let's see. We need some more. At least you got to stay up here now. Come on, Danny. How many is that? Three, four, five, six, seven. That's perfect. Now, I just ordered this during worship. It's the receding and everything. Come on up, Anisha. I just ordered this <laughs> during worship. Y'all see that? Ooh, spicy sausage, pepperoni. I told you you didn't want to come up here tomorrow. Olive, mushrooms. I told you you didn't want to come up here, Pastor Jordan. Green pepper, y'all see that? Go ahead and get a slice. Go ahead. I'm serious. It's, it's good. I just ordered. Now, I'm going to give all y'all a slice. Y'all who don't like eating your crust, leave it. Y'all who not crust people, tear your crust off, put it back in the box. A lot of people don't eat crust. Y'all, ain't, y'all don't get down like that. Yeah, if you don't want it. Some people ain't crust people. And y'all all crust people, huh? That's smacking it too. Y'all hungry? <laughs> hey, hey. Simone, you want to come grab baby? Baby real quick? Come on. You're going to get the big piece. <laughs> okay, let it fall. That's okay. Let it fall. That's okay. Let it fall. You don't want none? You, you want You good? Okay. It's good, huh? It's good? God says, here you go. I'm going to give you a pizza. I'm going to trust you. I'm not going to take mine first. I'm going to trust you. And what we do, we get to eating and enjoying our money and our life and our checks. The new J's come out, we got them. It's the weekend. We man going to get his. Yeah, I know how we are. Let's be real. He know you coming. He clocked in your money. He had your stuff ready. Everybody know you coming. And God say, but. And what we'll do, we'll take the crumbs that's left and go to church on Sunday and drop that in the pan. And we honestly think that he's accepting it. Now, y'all enjoyed it. It's good, huh? That was actually fire. I'm kind of salty because I wanted a piece. 
but I couldn't be up here preaching and eating at the same time. Kind of fire, huh? Y'all done? Anybody, you done? You done with that? Y'all like, because that's what we do. Yeah, just, we give them what we don't want. No, no, you, you want that. Don't put that in there. Y'all good? Hey, y'all, he was about to be like, I really don't. <laughs> if you want me to, Pastor, but I, this last, the last might be the best. And I'm, we'll offer him leftovers. And we'll think that this is okay. When what he was saying is, I really had another pizza for you. But because you didn't honor me with the first one, this is all you get from me. What you put, it's a seed principle. What you put in, you get back. If you put one seed in the ground, you get one tree. This is a universal principle whether you believe in God or not. And what we have fallen to and did is giving God the scraps. And we are nice and full. He's slapping his hands out. He's right, mm, good. And God, like, well, what about my temple? So I have to live off this when you're nice and full. What about me? Thank y'all. And see, I knew that some, some pieces was going to fall off. It was going to be some crust they didn't want. And this is what we offer God. And we expect, our, and we will have the audacity to pray. And my Lord, heal me. Deliver me. I need this job, Lord. Just give me this job. Just one job. He said, but. You didn't really leave me nothing to work with here. We need to get to the point. We need to get to the point where we take our first fruit, the first slice out of our piece is supposed to be, that's not mine. God said, I'll bless the other seven. And what I'm trying to get us to understand, if we put God in his proper place first, he said, I want to bless your life. Y'all, none of y'all kids are running around here looking raggedy. Why? Because they represent you. A lot of you mamas spend more time getting your kids dressed than you do getting yourself dressed. <laughs> Why? Because you know when your baby's sitting there looking nice, that's my baby. They represent me. Watch this James chapter 4. Well, Pastor, I do tithe. I've been tithing. And I don't buy what you're saying because I do tithe. He says, where do you think all these appalling, appalling wars and quarrels come from? Do you think they just happen? Think again. They come about because you will want your own way. And you fight for it in deep, deep inside yourselves. You lust for what you don't have and you are willing to kill to get it. You want what isn't yours and will risk violence to get your hands on it. Some of y'all cutthroat. I know that, I know I don't have to, I, but if I tell the boss that she was late and I snitched and tried to mess her up, I'll get the promotion. Cutthroat. He says, watch this. He says, you think of just, you, well, you wouldn't think of just asking God for it, would you? How uh, and why not? Because you know you'll be asking for what you have no right to. Some of us have no rights to what we want for God. That's why he don't move. God knows us better than we know us. Some stuff he withholds from us because we can't handle it. And honestly, if most of us hit the lottery, it would, we would be, we probably wouldn't come back to church hardly. Or I'm on vacation. It would pull us away from him. He knows what we can't handle. He said, you have no right to us. He said, watch this. Because you know you, he says, you wouldn't think of just asking God for it, would you? And, you, uh, and why not? Because you know you would be asking 
for what you have no right to. You are spoiled children, each one in your own way. You're cheating on God. If all you want is your own way, flirting with the world every chance you get. Flirting with the world every chance you get is trying to stunt. He says, you, you end up enemies of God and his way. And do you suppose God doesn't care? The Proverbs, the proverb has it that he's a fiercely jealous lover. And what he gives in love is far better than anything else you'll find. It's common knowledge that God goes against the will for proud. God gives grace to the willing humble. Point two, sacrificial giving. That's the second type. Give me Mark chapter 12. Pastor, I ain't got it. Pastor, I ain't got it. Mark chapter 12, verse 41. Sitting across from the offering box, that's why we have boxes. He was observing how the crowd tossed money in for the collection. Many of the rich were making large contributions. They making it rain. One poor widow came up and put two small coins, a measly two cents. She put two minutes. A minute was one sixty-fourth of a denarius. A denarius was one day's uh, pay. She, uh, the minute was one sixty-fourth of that. So this is pretty much pennies. He says, a measly two cents. Jesus called his disciples. Hey, now, come here. He says, the truth is, he says, Jesus called his disciples and said, the truth is that poor widow gave more to the collection than all the others put together. All the others put together, them two pennies was greater. All the others gave what they never missed. They never, they'll never miss. She gave extravagantly what she couldn't afford. She gave her all. It's not about how much God can see the heart. It's not about how much. That's why in 1 Corinthians he says, everybody take the time to think about it. He says, when he's talking about sacrificial giving, he says she gave out of what she didn't even have. He said, look at her, she's blessed. All them in there throwing thousands and writing checks for hundreds of thousands. He said she gave two cents. That two cents was greater than all that because of her heart posture. Because she gave what she, what she needed that two cents. They didn't need that hundred thousand. They had millions. She, that's all she had. He said she was greater than all of them. First Kings chapter 17. Now remember the widow from Zarephath? First Kings 17, 8. Then the Lord said to Elijah, go and live in the village of Zarephath near the city of Sidon. I have instructed a widow there to feed you. I have instructed a widow there to feed you. So he went to Zarephath. As he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks, and he asked her, would you please bring me a little water and a cup? And she was going to get in. He called her, bring me a bite of bread too. But she said, I swear by the Lord God that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house, and I have only a handful of flour left in a jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. I, I was just gathering a few sticks to cook my last meal, then my son and I would die. Now, it just so happened while she's gathering these sticks about to cook her last meal, the man of God shows up. This will happen while Elijah was at the birth of Kirith, living good. Ravens was jumping out from food. He had fresh water. God lets it dry up and say, go over to a widow. God is divine. He puts you in place. He knows what you need. He will make somebody else stuff dry up so they can come over and be a blessing to you. He says, he says, verse, um, verse 13. But Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go ahead and do just what I've said. But make me a little bread, make my little bread for me first. Then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. Now, here you go. She just told you it wasn't nothing but one meal left. And you're going to tell this single mama to give, you, to give your money to the church. You're going to tell how stupid does that look. 
How, how don't make sense did that look? Let's see what she did. Verse 14, for this is what the Lord God of Israel says, there will always be flour and oil left in the containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. So he spoke a prophetic word to her. So she had a choice to make. Either I trust the man of God, give my very last and feed him first while me and my son sit here and watch him swallow bread and drink and eat good and trust what God said to me or do I just go make my last meal and die? Well, let's see what she did. Verse 15, she did as Elijah said. Obedience and Elijah and her family continued to eat for many days. There were always enough flour, oil left in the containers just as the Lord had promised to Elijah. Because see, obedience and see this is a problem with us and to our, as Christians, I wish we could get better at this. Obedience. When God, we know what the word of God says and we'll go somewhere else and just blatantly, dis, 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 blatantly disobey or God will speak a word to us and we'll, we'll mess up our own minds. And so that ain't what he's saying, no way. And we'll go move somewhere where it doesn't take much faith. Where it's easy. That took a lot of faith. This was a life or death situation. And we'll go somewhere and chill. And think we're doing the Lord's will. We'll go somewhere and just give this little bit and just go back to our jobs. And the spirit be tearing us up. It be tearing us up, and we'll block that out because we want to stay in disobedience. She obeyed, so supernatural happened. Now look what happened. It says she, she, uh, she did as Elijah said, and she, Elijah, and her family, everybody got to eat down because of one act of obedience. Some of y'all, God can't even bless your family yet because you won't obey. And you can hide, you can do everything, you can do all that stuff if you want to. But until you obey what the Lord told you to do in the first place, there will be no blessing. He's waiting on obedience. And when she obeyed, move of God. When she obeyed, move of God. Last one, generosity. We need to learn how to sacrificially give. Sometimes God going to put us in position to give something we hurt. He's going to sometimes put you in position to give something that hurts. But it's, every time he does it, it's because he's trying to do something supernatural. Every time he puts you in a position that costs you crazy faith, that costs you crazy uncomfortability, he's trying to, and time we don't go into the faith that we met. The Old Testament teaches the law. The New Testament teaches generous. Be generous. We read this, we read this scripture every Sunday, but I want to break it down to you. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. I got to teach you this. If I don't teach it to you, you won't be blessed. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, NLT on verse 6. Remember this. A farmer who plants a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously, watch how many times we read the word generous, will get a generous crop. He says, seed principle. And this is a universal principle. Not, that's why philanthropists get richer and richer. It's a seed principle. You put it in the ground, it's coming up. He says, whatever a man stole, therefore he will he also reap. God is not mocked. I, I mean what I say. You put it in there, it's coming up. So if you put a bunch of negative stuff in there, it's coming back. Some of us have acted fool with our kids, raising them in the first 15 years, and then think they're both to love us now. All the seed that you sown in there, into them was no good. No, he's not going to grow up and love you now. I remember around my son, my oldest boy was around nine, and I would study and I was realizing, man, if you, you got some time left to sow good seed in there. If you don't get some good seed in there, oh boy. And I strategically started just being very intentional and everything. See, between the ages of about three and eight, I was at college living my best life in the streets, just doing, the, just doing, just doing me. And my son was raising up like, ugh, I really don't like dude. 
you cool, you at the birthday party, you give me all my money, you give me all this nice stuff, and, but I really don't. You don't really, you're, you're a daddy, you're not a father. You're cool daddy, but you don't really father, you don't raise me. And I'm a living witness. If you show them good seeds over there back, and you actually take time, see, I, I, I don't care if you're 57 and your, your son is 40. You got time to still sow seed into them and build a relationship with them. You got time to prioritize taking them to lunch, checking on them. Trust me, they may ignore you. Trust me, they see it. But if you don't get some good seed in there in the bag, it's the seed principle. It works. It's the universal cost life. Watch this. You must each decide in your heart how much to give and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. I used to think about when we were kids, a plate would come past and you'd be like, give me a dollar. Give me a dollar. You'd be looking for something to put in. The pressure to give. I don't want that in here. I want you to teach the principal, say, God, I'm honoring you. Let me get on this zeal. Let me get on cash app and bless the, and bless the house of God so I'm in right standing with God in this area of my life. He says, it's, it's when you take time in, in your own heart. I don't want reluctant giving or pressure or response to pressure for God loves a person who cheerfully gives, who lovingly gives. He says, verse 8, and God will generously, hear this word again, provide all you need. So if you be generous to God, he said, I'm going to be generous to you. He says, then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. I'm going to give you so much, you can take care of other people. He says, you'll have plenty left over and to share with other people. When you, when you create this generosity and this seed principle in me, I'm going to make sure I bless you so much that it's enough overflowing, exceedingly abundantly. Yes, watch this. As scripture say, verse 9, they share freely and, and they share uh, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. This is the eternal talk he's talking now. Watch this, y'all. Verse 10. For God who is for God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then the bread to eat. He says, I'm the provision in the first place. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Here we go with this word again. He says, he will provide an increase in your stuff, in your resources, and then a great harvest of generosity in you. Watch this. I want to show you this. Stay with me. Verse 11. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. Here's his word again. He says, you will be rich, enriched in every way. He's leaving the money talk here. Pay attention. He said, you adopt this principle, this gift, this ministry. I'm going to start blessing your whole life. Watch this. Watch this. He says, verse 12. So two good things will result from a ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met. And they will joyfully express their thanks to God. He said, they're going to worship me because of you. You're going to save souls because you adopted generosity and opened yourself up. That people are going to come in like, hmm, and want to be a part and worship me and thank me. Watch this. He says, he says, as a result of your ministry, verse 13, as a result of this ministry, what ministry? Ministry of generosity. They will give glory to God. So because you're, people going to worship me and want me? Because you operated in this ministry of giving. It's a ministry. It's so hard for some people to give. And our church, since, we, since we've been in church, we've made around almost $400,000 now. Y'all really been jamming this year. And we've given away over our 110, 115. A little less than 30% now. It was 30% a couple months ago. It's a little less now. Have one right out the door. People think we're crazy. We write checks left and right. We see somebody in need, write the check, help them. Because in my opinion, we're all the body of Christ. So if they church needs something, do it. We went to a church a few, a few weeks ago. They was doing a building fund. Now, we right in the middle of a building fund. We wrote a check for them. A nice check, too. We? We didn't, see, see, when you give, give. 
Don't just throw something. Don't just throw, don't just throw anything in there. Don't leave crust in a box. If you're going to do it, do it with a heart of extravagant generosity. I knew what we needed, but I said, let's seed it. Let's put it in the ground. He said, when you do this, the ministry, that the man was overjoyed. Y'all that came out to support, he was so overjoyed with what we had did. He was like, man, like, man, like, when you, they're going to worship God because of what, because this ministry of generosity? He said, people are going to turn to me because of your ministry that you've adopted in your life and in your church. He said, they will give glory to God for your generosity to them and to all the believers, watch this, will prove that you are obedient to what? The good news of Christ. What does giving got to do with the gospel? I'm going to read it to you again. Verse 13, as a result of your ministry, the ministry of generosity, they will give glory to God for your generosity, this ministry, to them and to all the believers because you operated in this thing. It will prove that you know me. It will prove that you are obedient to the good news. What is the good news? I shall love the word that he what? Gave his only begotten son. Whoever believes in him shall not perish and have everlasting life. What is the New Testament command? To love your brother as yourself. To love your brother as I have loved you. There is no greater love than a man to lay out his wife for his brother, for his friend. So what he's saying here, this shows that you gave up yourself to serve somebody else. And it's really familiar because didn't I give up myself to save you? It shows that you really know who I am. I'm closing here. I'm closing here. This shows that you really know who I am and what I'm about. When you operate in this ministry of, of giving and generosity, it proves that you're obedient to the good news. It proves that you have a relationship with me. It proves that you really live this thing out. He said, what good is it? If you say, you see your brother in need, you say, go, be clothed in the Lord, praying for you. Bless your brother, I'm, I'm, I'm praying for you. And you walk off and don't do nothing. He says, faith without works is. So what's the point? He said, God talk without God action is nonsense. And too often in church, we got the perfect God talk. We know the right things to say. We got all the hallelujah cliches and the comebacks. Blessed in the Lord, man. Oh, man, God is good, brother. Oh, yeah. Well, here, we, we dealing. We got them. Oh, I'm going to be praying for you. You know, the glory of the Lord, he's going to provide it. But, but you could have did something. And what we don't understand is we don't see ourselves as parts of a whole. We still view ourselves as individuals in the body of Christ. And God said, he's, Paul tells us, he says to Ephesus, man, when y'all until y'all get this, y'all uh, said, until y'all get this, you will not be mature. He says, one body, one spirit. He says, we're all supposed to be working in complete unity. Watch this. Verse 14. And they will pray with you, pray for you with deep affection. Watch this, y'all. Because you adopted this ministry of generosity and putting God first and honoring him, truly honoring him people around you, the believer's going to be messed. I'm going to use you to provide for people. They're going to give glory and worship me and it's going to be on your account. That's heavenly riches built up where Martha Russ can't get to them. You're going to bless me to the point where they're going to bless me and say, thank you for sending, thank you for sending with me in my life. Like, Lord, she helped me so much. Thank you, Jesus. And that's on Whitney's account. She get that credit. Because she adopted this, uh, uh, this ministry of generosity it will prove that she knows who Jesus really is, that she's obeying the good news and she really has a relationship with him. Because money, she give it up. I'm, I'm more worried about God and eternal things. So this, this material stuff, not a big deal to me. This is what it said. It shows that you really get this. 
He says, and they will pray for you with deep affection because of the overflowing grace God has given to you. You mean to tell me people praying for you because you've been generous? Trusting God for you? We had a girl, it's funny, she just replied to me about an hour ago. She came to our church one time. We know her from, several of us know her from college. And she came one time and after church she walked up to me and said, keep doing this, this is, this is dope. This is blessing people, keep going. And since that point, this was, this is June, this is May, that was eight, maybe nine months ago. Since then, she has sent us maybe almost $20,000. Not married, just her out here doing her thing. And when she did it, and I noticed that I seen the numbers, and I was like, who is this? I start praying for her. Because she single-handedly put us out of a place where we ended the year last year. We, we love doing stuff big, and we do big Christmas stuff, and we were like burly right on the line. And because of her generosity, it boosts us up for the end of the year. And we ended the year in complete black. And I started, I've been praying for her for eight months strong. Because the minute she did that, I said, you don't know what you did for us. And God put on me, pray for her. I told her, I, I promise I know your life that 2023 will be a year of a millionaire for you. Like, you let God use you in ways you don't even know. Yeah. Ain't been back since. But sin continues to send seed. And it's causing me to continue to give before the Lord on her. I, she, she hit me the other day because she sent another gift. And I, went, I, went, I just seen it and went back in prayer. Like, Lord, bless her. Like, blow her mind. Because she decided to obey you. Not that we want to get a piece of it. That wasn't my motivation. She just keeps sending that. No, no, no. I actually said, God, if she's going to let you lose her life like that, blow her mind. And they will pray for you with deep affection because of the overflowing grace that God has given you. Because of all the stuff he's given you and blessed you with, they're going to start praying for you. Thank God for this gift. Too wonderful for words. I'm trying to get us to get this because our hearts are so stuck to our money because we see money as a way to accomplish the things in our life that we want. Money is our idol, it's our source. And in our, in our minds, if you give me more money, I wouldn't have no problems. Yeah, go talk to some billionaires. Talk to Kanye West about that, he was a billionaire. And let's see how much money fixes everything. It will not fix it. And it's the thing we don't understand. We think, well, yeah, we'll give me a try at it. Yeah, many people have said that. You know most people who hit the lottery is broke within three years? I was reading this stuff. Because that everybody, higher new levels, stronger devils. Them same ones have been trying to get you now, it's just been intensified. Half of us don't do some of the things that we want. We, tell me we don't do some things simply because we don't have the freedom to. If you had the freedom to, and you had the resources, you would do some stuff you have no reason you'd be into. He says, this is a great mystery. Give, give me this last verse, I gotta read this, I wasn't gonna do it. Give me First John chapter three. It's not about money, and that's the thing we get so caught on money. Like, I'm sorry, like, y'all, when, when I was making around $156,000, and that was just me, that wasn't including my wife. We were making a little over $200,000 a year together. And every month we gave away around $1,500 just randomly. We was paying people card notes, paying people rent. Like, I, I just said, there's no way God blessed me like this, and I'm not going to send this, send there's no way. And people thought we were just trying to ball out and stun on people, but no. In my heart, I knew I'm gonna have to keep, I have to keep sewing it. I have to keep letting it go out. Now, most people say, oh, you'll be stacking that, bro. I'll be putting that in CDs. I'll be investing. That's for you, bro. I'm going the kingdom way. 
See, it was things that I needed in my life that the that, that bank account wouldn't have got me, that my, that my retirement couldn't get for me. I needed my destiny. And when I, I put God in proper perspective in my life, now he opened up all this vision and stuff to me. I just gave my wife a brand new Lexus truck, my son a Jeep that he went one day. I wanted a black Jeep, they didn't have to wrangle the other one. Went and found one, gave it to him, gave my son a go-kart, surprised him for Christmas. And I like, Lord, we had gave away like five grand or something within them two months. We had just called a few people like, what's your car payment? Here. We just sat there, me and my wife. I'm like, yeah, I made it, bro. This is, I made it. And then God said, nah, you done? And, and from, from January to about April of 2019, he poured out the vision for this. I don't believe until I put him in proper perspective of money. See, I got an associate's degree in accounting, a bachelor's degree in industrial engineering, and a master's degree in business with emphasis on management. Because I thought that that was going to get me what I wanted. That was going to get me the career path that I wanted. That was going to put me in position to make the money I wanted, and it, it did. And then I realized that all that chasing money and doing all that and made six figures. See, my goal for my life is I just wanted to make $75,000 a year. I grew up, my dad worked hard. I think he's capped out around 50, 60. I'm like, I'm just going to give me 75 and my wife's going to make 30, 40. That's six figures. We hood rich. That was really my goal as a, as a young man. God doubled it. I do, I'll do 150 for you. Will you give it back? And that's when we why God won't even provide it. We won't give it back. The children of Israel prayed for 400 years to get out of slavery in Egypt. God lets them out. He don't just let them out. He goes extremely abundantly. They give them gold, jewelry, everything. So they leave with all this stuff, praising God, we out of bondage. Get out in the wilderness. Go through Red Sea. See their enemies drowned. Everything. Moses leaves and goes up to the mountain. And what do they do? Take that same gold, melt it, and create an idol. So the thing that God blessed them with became an idol. And too often in our lives, God blesses us, and we use it, and we worship it as our source. It's like, dang, I can't even give you no more. I had a greater plan for you. And if you read John, look at John chapter, chapter, uh, chapter of John 3, verse 1, 1 John 3, 1, uh, verse 16. We know that real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also are to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. The concept here is God says, I, I'm leaving to go to, to heaven. Y'all take care of each other. I need y'all to be generous to each other and take care of each other and take care of the church and take care of their needs and be together at all times. I need y'all to do that. He says, if, any, if someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? This is the ministry of God, the, the good news he was talking about in the last verse. How can I be in you? How can you say you know me? If you see somebody in need and you do nothing. I seen you in need in the garden. I seen you was in sin. You over there covered with leaves. And I immediately made a plan to get you out. He would bruise his heel, but he would crush his head. The proto evangelum, the first mention of the gospel in the Bible. I made a plan for you the minute I seen you in need. You covered yourself with leaves. I covered you with skin. And you will see your brother and sister need, and you will do nothing. You will see, you do nothing. You will see them starting something. You know God put it on them, and you will do nothing. You will sit there like, uh-huh. He says, how can the love of God be in you? How is that houseway? He says, how can God's love be in that person? Dear children, let not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. 
Our actions will show that we belong to the truth. So we will be confident when we stand before God. He said, some of us, I know I'm getting, I know I got rewards coming. I, it ain't no, I'm confident that when I stand before God and he put the fire on my life and burn up all the sin because I believe in his son, I'm getting blessed up. I know I gave him my life. I know I put him first. I know he's my everything. I know I've done, I'm confident. He said, some of us have no confidence because we ain't been right. He says, how can that love of God be in that person? The Old Testament teaches the law. You better do this. The New Testament says, love, be generous. Now, what's your clap back? I'm about to add about, we've been doing this whole 18 weeks. I'm up here sweating every Sunday. What's your clap back? Last week we learned your clap back, your response to the word of God that's uncomfortable for you. What's your clap back? Last week we learned your response to the word of God, or what's your response to the word of God even when you don't like it? Are you fat, faithful, available, teachable? God's word is clear. Will you obey it? Will this really be the year of growth for you? Do you really want to grow for real, for real? Will you quit the cat? Realize growth starts with you. Be honest with yourself and just obey. I'm tying a lot of our weeks into this because we, this is what we've been learning for weeks. Obedience, sanctification, holiness. Obedience. Some more obedience. Which is this first thing. Growth starts with you. When you realize it all belongs with you to make a choice to honor God. When we quit the cap, stop clapping and playing with our lives and actually commit ourselves or will we continue to let our lives be all about the Benjamins? Because everybody got choices. This should be our biggest, from now on, this should be our biggest giving week forever, ever. If the word of God goes forth and we don't respond with obedience, because many of us have been thinking the whole time, like, oh, I don't tithe. Oh, I really don't be giving. And you have to make a choice now. See, this is the year of growth. You have to make a choice now. Am I going to honor God in this area? I pray for y'all so much. Y'all don't know how much I'm up at two and three like, God, you should bless them. Maybe, you know, you should bless them. And sometimes, no matter how much I pray, until y'all line y'all lives up with God, until you make a choice to obey him. So as you obey him, you enable him to move. He says, bring all that tithe and offering to the storehouse so it'll be ample provisions. Test me in this. And if I will not open the windows of heaven, listen, I love this. If I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing, you don't have room to receive. I don't need your money. I got windows stacked with stuff. What I need is an opportunity to bless you. What you're robbing me of is a, is a, I want to bless you. I have a windows of heaven full of stuff. Rooms of heaven full of blessings for you. Full of stuff I would love to give you. I don't need your money. I got streets paved with groves in heaven. The foundations and the doors are rubies and gems, and I don't need your stuff. I know where all the hidden treasures of the universe is at. What I thirst for is to be with you in your life. What I thirst for is to be for you to make me a part of you. That's what I'm thirsty for. I want to be in your life, but we won't obey. So I'm sitting here like, I really want to, I want to bless her, but she won't. You're robbing me right now. I should be blessing you. You won't let me. What's our response to the word of God? It's not about money. And, and when, we, when you get that, it's easy to give it away. When I realized it ain't about money, I would just give it away. People always thought me and my wife were just ballers. Man, they got it like that. We just, we just didn't care about money like that. 
we had it. We just didn't, it was, wasn't, it wasn't our, we didn't idolize money. It just, it wasn't our source. We knew God was our source. Money was just a resource. God got resources all over the place. And I knew God wanted us to sow it because it was something big he wanted to do later. How will we respond to the word of God? If you're a person who has not honored God in this area, you got to go do some thinking. Some of y'all will move quickly because you're like, I'm lining up. I want what God wants for me. Some of y'all going to struggle with it and never do it. I pray for you. But this is one of them areas that we don't learn it and get it. It's the most talked about thing in the Bible. Because he says, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. He says, when you love money, people get murdered. A lot of things we see right now, we only knew there was a greed attached to it somewhere. And I got to get us off that. We got to be grow up away from trying to get money, more money, money, money. Man, I got to get, why do you think half of our men are in prison trying to get money? When we love it, we wouldn't do whatever for it. Get out of my block, pop, pop for some money. We'd be killing each other over Jordans and $10. I, I since somebody was rolling dice and it was $10 and he killed him for it. Like for $15? I would have just gave it to you, bro. Like, the love of money. Here come evil right behind it. And God says it's a curse. And some of us think we bless. And he's like, it's so much more I would be doing for you. I can't even do it. Well, when you're ready, I'm ready. It's Mother's Day. We're about to go and have a good time with our mothers and enjoy it. I know this was a, a tough one today. But as we complete this series, I got to get us ready. The region that we're going into is tough. And if we in there thinking more about money, if I'm as a pastor more thinking about money, if y'all more worried about money and we now focus on Christ, it won't happen. Put money in its proper perspective. It is a resource. God is the source. It is just a resource. God is the source. <laughs>